Welcome back to the Wellhouse Exorcism. I am your host, Shanna Hayden. I'm PJ. Jack. Yes, we have a special guest. It's not Lauren Ray this time. It is my brother Jack. We need someone with a, a good Jewish background. Shalom. <laughs> Shalom. Uh, so this week we are going to explore the Dybbuk box, which has made the rounds on Reddit, on eBay, on TV, all over movies. movies. Sam Raimi did a movie. A book. A book. Zach Baggins. Zach, Zach Baggins. I can't. I didn't, oh, Zach, my God. Zach Baggins. Dude, bro, Zach Baggins. With his best friend, Post Malone. I also didn't know that until my research. I know. That was, that was something. Oh, that adding was... on to the cat skull crone discussion, um, I did not use any microfiching for this. Thank God. I used Google. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Google, for oh. once again. Oh, having to go through microfish. <laughs> That was a full discussion last time with Laura. She loves that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm the English major. And the idea of having to use another microfiche, like that is like the ninth level of hell for me. I'm I'm good. I was going to say, I always like doing research, but I liked when I could just look it up on the computer and then print out the whole article and Dude, read it at my leisure. Google Scholar has gotten me through my master's and most of my doctorate. I was going to say, I liked having a university library where if I didn't have the article, I could just request them to go get it for me. Yes. I never really used again I have found all the easy ways to do this as an English teacher there are many easy ways to do this <laughs> well teachers are the best thieves no it, Google Scholar's there for a reason <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say back then you know when I was in college a lot of uh back in my day pretty much geology <laughs> articles really weren't on Google Scholar you had to go and get like someone's doctoral dissertation yes <sighs> yes Shiver of revulsion. Um, fun fact, I haven't seen you. Um, so I, on Sunday, actually submitted my outline for my dis my dissertation, actually. My Good. research proposal. Yeah, it was very horrifying. And then I got my grade back today, and it was a zero. I know. Um, so the reason why is, I guess she's getting a little salty with um, the people in the class, because unlike me, no one else does their work. Ah. So she's putting in grades for placeholders, and now she's decided that until you make the corrections she has, which, by the way, mine only has three corrections. That's oh. it. That's all mine has, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just sh stuff she wants to, me to omit because I'm a little wordy. I'm an English major. That's fair. Um, but I have a zero till I make those corrections, which I find very offensive. So I'm like, I'm sorry. I've never had a zero on anything in my entire life. <laughs> but I get what she's doing. But when I first saw I'm like, I don't need this today. Like, <laughs> it's been a day. I'm tired. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, so I, I submitted my... Um, my dissertation outline, well, my research proposal outline. Yay. It's kind of horrifying. Yeah. Ooh, thank you, Lord. All right. Oh, that's right. You didn't have to do an actual research paper in undergrad, did you? Uh, all my research paper, all my first research papers. No, I meant an actual research project, like where you had to get approved by a um, actual. Like a dissertation? Yeah. I basically had to do an undergrad dissertation. Oh, we call them capstone projects. Yeah. I had to do an actual. All, all of my essays. Are research based. You, yes, research based, but I meant where you actually basically had an undergrad dissertation. Yes, I had to do. That. Um, we had choices to do like conferences and stuff. So like I did um like a, a training, which is pretty cool. Anyway, we are completely yes. off I've topic. I've never done any of that. <laughs> yeah, and you have even master's in my degree. master's. Program. Well, you but yours the, was the biggest paper I've ever written was five pages. Well, no, there was my twelve-page capstone project. I don't think I could only write 12 pages anymore. I don't know what it's like to write so short. <laughs> and what's terrible is I'm just getting used to APA, and I never thought I'd say that, but I absolutely hate my life because I'm an English teacher. But I have myself, I, I like start questioning myself. Am I doing oh. the MLA correct now with my eighth graders because I've been doing this stupid APA for so oh, long? Just having to do research, that, that would have been nice. I had to do research and a bunch of actual practical work for mine. Yep. Yep, always. Yeah, all mine too. I had to. I actually had this to. This is in not a podcast about research. We got off yeah, topic. We got way off topic. Maybe we should start one. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to listen to qualitative versus quantitative research. Um, some people probably do, but me talking about it, I'm just I like saying, qualitative. It's that's lazy. Can we not? No, because we're gonna get <laughs> off topic. Yeah. Okay. Focus. No. All right. Dibbic so box. this week we are doing the Dybbuk box, and so we brought Jack on because he. Uh, I'm just identifies saying this is qualitative Jewish. research. This this story right here. Yes, <laughs> it's research. <laughs> anyway, that, that middle finger. I felt that. Good. Oh That's my goodness. The point. <laughs> 
anyway, so Dybbuk is spelled two different ways, D-Y-B-B-U-K or D-I-B-B-U-K. Um, doesn't really matter. That's just the spelling. But Jack is our resident. Hebrew to English doesn't really translate well yeah. a lot of the time. So Jack is here to tell us all about Dybbuk's. Okay. Well, to understand a Dybbuk, there's three main concepts that come out of uh, Judaism and um, Kabbalah, which is Jewish mysticism, sort of. Um, the first thing, what a Dybbuk actually Kabbalah is. Kabbalah is just a fun word. I'm sorry. It, it is. Uh, what a Dybbuk actually is, it isn't really analogous to a Christian or Catholic demon. It's not quite mm, the same. Okay. What it actually is, Dybbuk actually comes from an old Hebrew word to means to cling or to cleave. I found that in my research. Yes. Um, I found that. Yes. <laughs> Basically, what happens is, is sometimes when a soul is in punishment in the afterlife, which I have to come back to because it'll make more sense, the amount of punishment is too much or they were so unrepentant that they refused to be, you know, to atone for what they did. So rather than atone, they separate themselves from the cycle and actually come back into the land of the living and attach to a person. You know, in Catholicism, we go to purgatory to fix those problems. Uh, yeah, purgatory doesn't really exist, but I have to come back I know. to why. It's a Catholic um, thing. Um, to really understand, you have to understand Gehenna and Kafahela. Lots so, of language. This is a podcast. Gehenna is the closest thing uh, <laughs> to hell. And but the thing is, you're not in hell for you're not in Gehenna for very long. Yeah, the longest during Gehenna is a year. Basically, you're punished like crazy for the amount of time, and then your then your soul is basically brought back, and then you wait a little while and you're actually reincarnated. Because the idea is in especially in Kabbalah, the idea isn't to be a good; it's to build up, for lack of a better word, a lot of good. And when you get enough, then you ascend and you never come back. So you level up. Kind in a very real <laughs> sense, yes, because your bad deeds don't go away. Your good deeds don't go away when you die. Those are actually kept separate, and then you. Basically, you're given a couple of runs to try to get as much good as possible. Which, and but for a Dybbuk, the idea is that you have been, you're in Gehenna or Kafakela, which is even a deeper part of Gehenna, where you don't have a time. Where the microfiches are. <laughs> it might as well be, because <laughs> um, technically Kafakela is you're separated and forced to reincarnate, but you spend centuries before you reincarnate. So you're stuck for centuries away from. Even God, like the light of God, or even punishment, you're just separated. And so for some souls that are unrepentant, there's, you know, you're basically saying, why am I here? I don't deserve this, so I'm going to go off. And then you come back to the land of the living and attach yourself. And so they attach themselves to an object. So a Dybbuk box could actually, exist. Actually, originally they attach themselves to people. To people, okay. Where the Dybbuk box, there's actually a ritual that... Um, rabbis have to basically separate the Dybbuk from a person, but then you have to find a way to get rid of it. The ideal thing is to send it to Gehenna so it can be punished and reincarnated, but that isn't always the choice. Sometimes you have to force it stuck into something. And there's a long history, even in the Old Testament, of like spirits bound to objects or bound inside mm -hmm. objects. So the idea of putting it in a wine cabinet and sealing it with um, prayers, ritual, and a ritual lock is very correct. So it could happen. Okay. Yes. Um, have I seen any rabbi do it? No. Have I heard of a rabbi doing it? No. But for someone who would know enough about Kabbalah or mysticism, it's definitely an option. Because mm -hmm. yeah. like Solomon had a ring that allowed him to command demons yeah. in Kabbalah. And so the idea of having something that binds it is absolutely correct. And the idea of binding things yes. to like, you know, creatures or supernatural entities to... Mm -hmm. Uh, these um, inanimate objects is yeah. a common thing in Christian mythology. In just mythologies last week, throughout the world, yeah. Just last week, we had the Corona of the Catskills, you know, yeah. and that's mm -hmm. the same exact thing. That's also cultures across the world, across the eons have done that. Well, that's mm -hmm. what Laura mentioned, too, is the idea that you kind of imbue that energy on things, too. Or if, you, if you're really connected to something, maybe you're, like, with it in the afterlife, too. So maybe that's why you have a ghost in your house, mm -hmm. because yeah. of that mirror or mm -hmm. something, you know? And you imprint yourself onto it. And so, as we get further into the story, come back to the idea of a dibbuk. It's this spirit that clings to people. So, when it was in the box, it was nothing. But 
it was semi-attached to the box because that's where it was bound to. Yeah. But as soon as the box was open, the people in its area were, it was attached to them, which is, the guy tells about his story about. Now All the, the fa- different people he yeah. gave the box to, yeah. Yes. <clears throat> the only thing is, is you would still technically have to reseal the box, sort of, not permanently, but so it could go to another person just yeah. because if not, it would attach to you and you'd have to be blessed and exercised. Yeah. So um, I find the whole story interesting now. It originally came out and I just found it like awesome because it was an interesting story. Um, And it just had so many years uh, in prevalence throughout Mm -hmm. like eBay and whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. But recent research, you know, with it, I I just I think it's interesting for us. We try to debunk things, too. So I have all of it in here for us. (laughs) But starting off from the beginning, this idea is um, a guy named Kevin Manis found this and bought it basically like by accident, if you will, at, at an estate auction, because there was a lot of stuff that he wanted. Yeah. And this kind of came with it. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting. I, from my article here, it says Manus bought a cabinet from an estate sale for a woman originally from Poland who had died at the age of 103. The granddaughter of the deceased was insistent that Kevin take the item after he'd purchased it, after he offered to give it back to her because he figured it had some deep sentimental value. The granddaughter told him that the grandmother kept the box stashed away and would not let anyone open it. Kevin took the item to his furniture refinishing shop and put it in the basement. And what's interesting, too, um, if you listen to the full, like, interview of this, is she goes, oh, I see you bought the Dybbuk box. And he's, yes. and so Kevin Manis is Jewish, and he's like, oh, I know what a Dybbuk is, you know. Yeah. But he really didn't believe in it. Mm-hmm. And so his original idea was to work on the box and then um, sell it, pretty much, or yeah. to give it to someone as a gift. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in an interview with his mother, actually, I think on Paranormal Witness, she talked, his mom talked about how, like, being the mother of Kevin, she's gotten a lot of weird gifts because yeah. he's, an, he's an antique dealer. Yeah. Um, but what was really interesting is when he first brought the box home into the basement, or to his job in the basement, it says, one day when he left the shop while he went on an errand, he soon got a call from his frantic salesperson that someone was in the shop swearing and smashing things. Manus returned to the shop to find the lights in the basement broken and the room filled with a stench of cat urine. The employee left and never came back. Now, he did, um, like, work on the box. He opened it. He found some really cool things inside of it. Mm -hmm. And he gave it to his mother as a gift. Um, And so I kind of want to talk about the box itself first and what he found in it before we go into what happened to his mom. So, PJ, do you want to take that part away? Talk about it? So uh, uh, the person, the the grandmother who owned this, her, she was a Holocaust survivor. Actually, her name was Havela, and um, she escaped to, na- to Nazi-occupied Poland. So I think it's kind of interesting too that you have that like that Holocaust connection because you know the 1940s were just a hot mess of like just terrible, terrible things. Yeah, but and, anyway, and also the other reason coming back to this um, idea of whether or not it could or could not be is like when you look at what's in there. Um, there was a lot of tying into Kabbalah, especially. So if it is real, this woman definitely studied, at least knew a little bit of Kabbalah for, and this would be a ritual you'd use to bind something that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So that's one point in the, could this be real? Yes. Cause this is a pretty, a pretty close version of what the actual Kabbalah ritual would. Okay. So in the cabinet, he found two wheat pennies dated 1925 and 1928, two locks of hair, a dried rosebud, a four-legged candlestick, a golden wine cup, a granite sculpture inscribed with the Hebrew word shalom, and the Shema, a prayer uh, from Judaism. I don't know, John, if you're familiar with that one, but it yeah, was yeah. scratched into the back of it. I just want to say that rosebud. Sorry, I did oh, that. I mean, the Shema is probably, well, I wouldn't say it's analogous directly. It is basically uh, one of the Jewish equivalents to what you would do for like the Apostles' Creed or the Lord's Prayer. It is okay. one of the most important prayers. It's probably one, one of the most, most common. common ones. Yes. Um, and also something that in especially Kabbalah and Judaism, words have real power. So if you are binding a you know, dark entity, you would use actual word, like mm-hmm. the literal word in this case of the divine. Cause that's the idea is that that's the reason why they're called the, you know, religions of the word. It's literally these words have power. Yeah. Which is also why he, you know, they say God spoke the world into existence. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and something else here, too. Um, it says, the granddaughter told me that her grandmother had asked the box be buried with her. However, as such a request was contrary to the rules of an Orthodox Jewish burial, the grandmother's request had not been honored. Yep. So that was like, you know, the, that's how serious the grandmother was. Like, mm-hmm. do not open this box. Yep. Yeah. And it also would be very against the orthodoxy, especially if, especially if your rabbi had any implicate in, you know, idea of what it could have been or what this represented. I'm actually, if the rabbi was very aware, I'm actually shocked he didn't be like, I am going to take this for safety. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I mentioned. That, like, if you watch that Paranormal Witness episode that I'm thinking yeah. of, that's something that's mentioned like much later. Because yeah. the next guy who buys is like after the, the mm-hmm. college kids. Like, he is pretty serious with this yeah. box. Um, so we have Manus who buys this box, mm-hmm. and obviously, just like the Catskill Crone, does not listen to anybody. Takes it back, not. opens it, finds all the stuff in he there, fiddles and, with it. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and obviously releases something because almost immediately you have all these lights exploding. Um, it scared just the bejesus out of his worker who was there. And, like, she quit. Like, she was not polite. She said some nasty things to him. She also got really lucky because a dibbit could have attached to her and yeah. not Manus. Yeah. yeah. He sells it, and then it comes back the next day with a note that says there is a darkness in this cabinet. Yeah. Um, but when he gave it to his mom, like, he had decided, like, he just didn't end up refinishing. He just mm-hmm. gave it to his mom. And this part, to me, like, freaks me out. And that's why I feel like when we go into debunking, how do you explain this part away? Mm-hmm. So, PJ, what happens? Uh, he gives it to her on her birthday, and uh, she opens it up and has a stroke, like, right then and there in the shop. Yep. Um, and then when they are, like, when she's getting medical help, she can't talk, of course, because yeah. she has a stroke. Um, but she actually spells out, hate gift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, definitely not the gift to give to your mom. Yeah. Um, but he does uh, like end up giving it to like lots of his family members to watch. He gives it to his girlfriend, his um, sister, his sister. Yeah, there's a whole. I mean, who all does he give it to? Like, where's I that? didn't realize there was an option to take a horribly potentially dangerous haunted item and give it to your siblings because that seems like excellent payback. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't like <laughs> you, so here. Yeah, so Kevin took it home. Um, so yeah, he gave the box to his sister. Uh, she kept it for a week and gave it back. He gave it to his brother and his brother's wife, who kept it for three days and returned it. The brother said it smelled like jasmine flowers, and his wife said it smelled like of cat urine. Kevin gave it to his girlfriend, who soon asked him to sell it for her. He sold it to a middle-aged couple, and three days later found the box sitting in front of his shop with a note saying, this has a bad darkness. Then he took it home. And then bad stuff started happening again. So, um, first off, that's my question for you, Jack. Can you give a Dybbuk box to somebody and... Like, say, here you go, here's your present. And would that Dybbuk attach itself to you then? That's what I understand, because doesn't it, it it clings to you, the person? It clings to a person. Normally, it clings to a single person, because how it works is it either finds the will to escape, kafachela, technically, but gehenna, it finds the will to escape. It can either be brought in, and that's the other thing is the stories that they said that the... The one who originally made the Dybbuk box, or made it into the Dybbuk box, I should say, uh, they performed a seance. Yes. that was, they, Actually, yeah. Do you want to tell that backstory of how they... Okay. Yeah, sorry. Go so, ahead. So... Havala was not a good girl. Havala, again, she knew enough about Kabbalah, so I wouldn't be shocked she did this, because Kabbalah is very much about knowledge. So, the story goes is that, you know, they... I was going to say it was in 20-something, I think is what she said. Uh, they had a... She and some friends had a seance, and... They were trying to contact somebody, and when they whatever entity they pulled out was not good. It, mm-hmm. They were using a more ancient. They weren't using a Ouija board. They're actually using like the pendulum style. Yep. Um, so, and after pulling this out of Gehenna, it attached to her because she was the one that did it. Um, now, from that moment, she was its intended target. If if she had no knowledge of Kabbalah, it would have been stuck with her until. Either she died, it completely possessed her, or the rabbi took care of it. But she bound it to a box. And even by opening the box, it's still semi-bound to the box. That's what, especially the clay figure in there with Shalom written on it, that's basically, that's a version of the golem, which mm-hmm. isn't technically used the, word, the name of God or the name of life. And the prayer in there and, those, and the locks of hair, basically it was... 
it would have been more bound to the box, but as soon as it was open, anyone near the box could have become its prey. Mm-hmm. That being said, I would say it's more likely that after that point, it would have stuck to Manus and only Manus. But it's not inconceivable for it to be more bound to the box because I don't know how good of a ritual she did in Kabbalah to get it bound to the box. Well, that's something that they talk about in one of the articles is that after the box trades hands so Mm -hmm. many times, I think it's Zach Baggins. It might have Mm -hmm. been the guy before him. Mm -hmm. When they opened the box, they heard a voice whispering Kevin. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, so, that was Zach Baggins. That, yeah. yeah, so mm-hmm. like, that would be yes. Even though it traveled with the box, box, it was still it was still thinking of him. Well, well so more romantic. like that's the person it was bound to. So yes, that actually is very common. Because like I said, at that point, then the ritual was enough that it bound it to the box, but not enough that it was only bound to the box. Yeah. But I just find it interesting that people keep smelling like cat urine, but one person smells jasmine. Um, <laughs> it's so different, but... Yes, and that can... Their olfactory senses are broken, that's all. Um, COVID before COVID was a be. thing, I guess. Uh, also, I, I don't know the person that smelled it. Um, Delta. They dealt it. <laughs> I was going to say, um, because of the way this works, technically, it's just an assault of the senses. So... If that person, and this is completely possible, but not normal, if that person is not a particularly good person, um, a Dybbuk would have no reason to attach to them because what's the point of attaching to somebody if they're going to end up in Gehen anyway? So I think he might have found out that that person could have been kind of a right, could have been a bad person, or it could be that the Dybbuk itself had no interest in attaching to them. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, the stench of cat urine it would be more akin to like, oh, I'm on this thing's radar more than just the natural scent of it. Because a Dybbuk is somewhat a perversion. So it your body in mind will immediately try to see it as perverse. And for the average person, cat urine is an awful smell that should not be smelled. Yes. So So, um, it's interesting. After Kevin like exhausts all of his options and gives everyone this gift, um, he says he took it home. Because he gave up. But as while he had the box at home, he began to have nightmares in which he was walking with a good friend. And when he looked into the friend's eyes, he saw something evil looking back. The friend turned into a gruesome demonic hag that proceeded to beat him. And he'd awake with bruises and marks on his body. Like, this is the discussion I have all the time. Like, if things are hurting you, you probably want to go talk to a priest. Or in this case, you know, your rabbi. rabbi. But it's just like, why do people not do that? I just that that's a yeah. question I have. That, like, that, is, that is one of the questions I've had about this is because one of the things is he said is when the woman says, you know, in the one interview, he's, yes, the the young woman says, Oh, you bought the Dybbuk box. And he goes, I didn't think about it. I knew what a Dybbuk was, but I didn't really think about it. It's as when you say, like, when you're kid, like, Oh, the Dybbuk gets you if you're out yeah. good, you know, like, yes. Oh, boogeyman. Yeah. And in a sense, it kind of is. But yeah. if you are a practicing, you know, Jew, or if you know any Jewish lore, you hear the name Dybbuk and you should immediately be worried because yeah. that is not a good thing. No. And I think, I guess like if you're, if you're ambivalent in your religion, uh-huh. maybe you're kind of like, ah, the Dybbuk box. Yeah. I bought this tombstone over here too. Like it, yeah. it can be kind of funny. Just like there are funny. Christians who yeah. can say, oh. It, you bought know, the, the demon house. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, demon. <laughs> Whatever. So, so I guess, but it's I, just like. <laughs> but as soon as you get a little bit of bad, like I would probably. Now the fact he has a habit of giving weird gifts to his mom is that's very funny to me, but so the idea of oh, this is a very antique and very well made wine cabinet. Yeah. Like, but the idea of giving like this antique wine cabinet was actually would be a fairly nice gift. The because especially because when you pay attention, it's a very very well made. One. It is very. Yeah, it's kind of cool how it mm-hmm. opens up too. Like uh-huh. you see, like in the video, like and everything. Like when you open it, it kind of like it pops open on its own. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, but then like everyone had the exact same dream too. Like when he yes. says like his brother and his sister came over to visit and told his wife. They all had the same dream. And then he started seeing sa- like shadow creatures in his home and around him, like yeah. in this peripheral vision. Um, and yeah, that's exactly when I would say this is absolutely a Dybbuk. And because that's kind of one of the things that comes up all the time in Dybbuk lore is that you'll always see it as in, you know, when you're, when your eyes are closed, but your mind is awake, I, when you're dreaming, you'll see it for what it is, someone that clings to you. So it's, oh, it's a dear friend that is grabbing onto me, yeah. is holding onto me tight. When you're awake, you'll see it as more something shadowy, which is, this is why this is one of my favorite depictions 
Oh, he's just giving them a hug. It's fine. <laughs> um, we can't show it to our viewers, but it's a person who is sitting and there's like something behind you hugging on. We can post it on. to our if, Facebook page. If you need to look it up, it's actually from a video game, Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey. Their version of the Dybbuk is probably one of the closest I've seen depiction-wise. Send me the picture and I'll put it on the, the Facebook page. Okay. Um, but then like, what's interesting too, is, uh, he starts and having this nightmare, like at four 30 in the morning, he wakes up and he feels like a breathing on his neck. He smells that cat or actually he smells Jasmine flowers then. And he sees something like kind of like lurking down his hallway. Like at that point, what the heck? Yes. Okay. Then if it, if he was also smelling the Jasmine flowers as well as the urine, the urine is when their mind is like, Oh God, this is evil. The Jasmine flowers is, is the Dybbuk trying to hide what it is. Hmm. Cause that's very common. Cause that. Well, you know, she only gives the jasmine flowers to the boys. Which is uh, like everyone who owned it. Yes, that's also very cool. <laughs> no, no, like girls all boys it too, bought it. Um, well, yeah, after. I meant like when he was like given the box. Yeah, was, like, to, oh, hold, to his family. Yeah, that's actually yeah. very common. Uh, Dybbuks are gendered. The gender of the person that became a Dybbuk stays. So there are stories of male Dybbuks being sexually violent. Mm-hmm. And there are stories of female Dybbuks being... Basically, like crones and hags. Yeah, and that's what this is. This is a yeah. hag. Yeah. So yeah, the idea that she had a preference for targeting men is absolutely normal. I wish we had the um, the journals of the second people who owned it. Oh, that'd be nice. Because it used to be online. They took mm-hmm. the website down though. Yeah. But they talked about how they just had so many electrical failures. Mm-hmm. They lost their Xboxes. All the computers in the house failed. Well, yep. We got to discuss. <clears> They're all college students too. So like all their essays were gone and everything. Oh. We got to discuss the song on eBay first, because yeah. this is just yeah. like, of all this the things is, you do. Yeah, so poor Kevin has this box <laughs> posted I, on eBay. I want to say, this is the reason why we get stereotypes so bad. Oh, this is dangerous. Eh, we'll sell it off to the Gentiles. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a reason why we get um, stereotyped. I don't understand. I just don't understand. Like, I'm just Oh, it's a terrible it. idea. Like... I would have given that thing to my rabbi. I'd be like, I don't... This thing is bad. I need you to do something about this. I gotta say, it's the longest eBay listing I've it ever is, seen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's lengthy. insane. Because he goes through his whole story yeah, on I'm there. Four, page four. <laughs> But he does go over um, like what it looks like. The measurements are 12.5 by 7.5 by 16.25. All the items that I originally found inside the cabinet are included in the sale and will be delivered with the cabinet. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah. look at everything. 7.5, that's a deep box. Yeah. Um, but then you also have the second uh, buyers because he sells it initially to what PJ said, to college students. So do you want to talk about the college students and what they went through? <laughs> Oh, that one. So, yeah, there's a second eBay listing. And I have to say, like, I like this, too, because I like how they copy and paste his original, like, Mm -hmm. and it's like, we're selling this. For the full story, yeah. Yeah. They end up selling it, too, on eBay. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And so they're listing, um, you know, they're like, we bought bought this from the person above, uh, the seller above. They have, like, a definition of Dybbuk there. And they're like, you know, we didn't expect anything to happen from it. Let's see. Over the last week, some interesting, though possibly coincidental, items of note have come up. Firstly, I share a house with six other people, and we've been taking turns sleeping with the box in each of our rooms. (laughs) Two people are now complaining of burning eyes. One is listless and depleted of energy, and another became spontaneously sick. In retrospect, I would say it was allergies. (laughs) A few days after these ongoing annoyances started, the outside air of our house was filled with small bugs for several day uh, for several hours. A Friday, weird summer stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as, like as he puts it, summer stuff. Last night, Saturday, we discovered that the box now located in the back corner of the house had come mostly open, though it had been shut and seems unlikely that anyone could or would have touched it. Wednesday. September 10th, 2003. Though it seems impossible to prove that the box is a direct cause of misfortune, we've definitely seen a tidal wave of bad luck. Oh, so we do have some of his journal entries yep, here. Yep, we do have some of them. Uh, several mice have died. Oh, wait, hold on. Nope. Strange odors now permeate the house. The dumpster out back overflows with trash and decay. One roommate suddenly got bronchitis, and I broke a finger. Several mice have died in the engine of one car, and more electronic devices seem to be dying every day. Xbox, toaster, TV, watches. I don't really want to talk about anything between September and January, so I'll just say I'm selling the box now for a couple of reasons. 
Around October 6th, I started feeling bad with trouble sleeping. Problem has persisted through today. I live alone now. And everyone as- left him. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder why. As of late, I noticed replacing. I've been replacing a lot of light bulbs, uh, burnt out light bulbs, and getting many unusual car repairs. Transmission fluid was burned out of the reservoir, for example. I started seeing things, sort of like large vertical dark blurs in my peripheral, peripheral vision. I smell something like juniper bushes or stingy ammonia in my garage often, and I have no idea what from. Most disturbingly, last Tuesday, one twenty-seven two thousand four, my hair began to fall out. That freaks me out. Yeah. Today, Friday, it's about half gone. I'm in my early 20s. I got a clean blood test back from the doctor's. Maybe it's stress-related. I don't know. Anyhow, for personal reasons, I very strongly do not want this box anymore. (laughs) I hope there's someone on eBay that will take this thing off my hands. I would just throw it away in the woods or something, but I know there has been some interest in it in the past. I still want to make some money off of this thing. Oh, yeah. That's the American way. (laughs) The American way. But um, his name was uh, Losef Nitsky. Everyone calls him Joseph. But um, when that interview happened, like, for the Paranormal Witness, a couple of the people, like, from that house would not come and talk about it. Mm-hmm. They were really um, freaked out. And they kept saying the original, uh, the, the buyer, uh, Joseph, would just sit, like, for hours in his room and, like, would just, like, type onto computer screens and, like, would stare at things. And it freaked him out. And so his eyes were red, too. And he wasn't getting so he was, like, insomniac. So, like, they, they were creeped out. But everyone ended up moving out because they just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. So, the idea of it physically hurting somebody that bad... I don't think she likes partiers. That, that <laughs> she, wanted, she wanted Kevin back. That, that's the thing. It's like, it affecting electronics is always one of those things I find kind of odd. because that's Don't not, touch the Xbox! <laughs> because that's not normally what one associates with it. Because they're not really a poltergeist. Because poltergeists infect an area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dibbix. Well, in the in Kevin's story, though, it, it broke like yeah. every single light bulb in the basement. Yes. I, I was going to say, but the, the bigger part of the story is always what it, how it attaches to a single person, what happens yeah. to them. They no longer are able to sleep. They become low energy. Like, the kid starts losing his hair. All these things would be something I'd fully expect because, basically, it's draining you. Mm-hmm. In a very real sense. Yeah, he also linked it to a suicide, Kevin, the original owner. Yeah. I don't remember to whom. Well, it was to hit one of his workers. Um, was it her husband? It's, worker's it's a, husband, yeah. Or was it her brother? But like then another person ended up committing suicide too. There were two suicides. Two suicides. That he think and that thing I like about the one article too from Input, uh, which we haven't even gotten to yet, is the idea that and Laura had kind of mentioned it in passing with the Crone of the Catskills. Even if it is not a haunted something, like it's yes. not a crone or a box for the, in the case of this. We give it that power. So yes. maybe we're not paying attention, but all of a sudden, now that we have this box, oh my gosh, my car is broken. Yes. You may just have a crap car, and you will never realize how much money you're putting into it until now you are noticing those, because you, you're, yes. you're already primed to mm-hmm. pay attention to that. Yeah. So if I were to call a hoax, I would say, you know, we people are starting to be coincidental about it. But uh, after the college kids have it and they sell it, they sell it to the next owner, Jason Haxton, who was the final owner for a very long time. And he had it like he took care of it correctly and he put it away. And at the end of Paranormal Witness, he said that he had it locked up and he will never tell anyone where it is. And he said his biggest worry was what happens in the future when he dies, like what happens. And so I I thought that was interesting. And I had a lot of like belief in him because he just seemed like really nice. Now I'm I'm wondering how much like he's cashed in on this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, because I think in the Paranormal Witness one, he also, he basically said he went to the rabbi. He said, this is what Mm -hmm. I think is happening. This is what it is. And then the rabbi go through the proper rituals to properly rebind it yeah. yeah he um but he wanted to do it scientifically first yes so you know uh jason haxton buys it for 280 dollars on ebay and he was he was so proud to have bought it because he had seen it coming up a couple times you know he opens it at his job um he talks about how when he opens it um people uh, computers start dying in his office that were working just fine before um light bulbs were exploding yeah. Um, he does experience hives and welts from having touched the box. He did bring in like scientists. He brought in paranormalists. Um, he brought in Kabbalists too. So he brought in like anybody he could think of. He brought in to look at this box because Mm -hmm. just like the crown of the cat skills, a a couple of these uh, things that go with this box don't make sense. You know, like 
uh, almost all the components are here, but not all of them. Or one thing doesn't make any sense as to why it's in the box. Yeah. So really his ultimate like plan was to figure out what it was and how to fix it. Like that mm-hmm. was his goal. Um, he actually has a degree, right, PJ? What was he? He's um, it's in one of the articles. So he's he actually is of a scientific mind too. I, say, I, I thought it was an anthropology degree. Yeah, because he works a museum. Yeah. So Jason Haxton is the director of the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri, or was, and this was um, in 2011. Um, so he he was fascinated by the mysterious box, but he also like really worked hard to try and like downplay it to scientifically understand it he did a lot of like you know scientific method on it did a lot of studying whatnot um so i do appreciate that about him um he again did bring in people to try and figure out like that truth of it you know um he did write a book about it but it does say here for a time haxton kept the box secure in an acacia wood arc lined with 24 karat gold and stashed it in his den to keep it subdued and then it says, however, more recently, he's admitted that he ended up putting it into a military-grade shockproof container buried somewhere where it is well hidden and won't be discovered. And that's where the uh, paranormal witness kind of thing ended. Yes. Because he had gotten all the information from the rabbis. He had done what he was supposed to to keep it safe. Because there are stories like how he not only rashes, but it affected his wife because the clothes he was wearing touched the box and she touched the clothes and then she got rashes from it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really affecting things. Wasn't there a story, too, about how, like, there was some kind of, like shadow figure in his house and his son saw it i believe so yeah it's been um, a while since i saw that well and this article doesn't really go into that i think like the, the in the input one does but i remember like he's sitting in his den with his son and his son's like what is that dad and there's this like black mass like floating yeah. in a corner oh yeah that's right yeah. i do remember that mm-hmm. um so once he realized he couldn't really protect his family he had to find a way to protect his family yeah. So then when I was doing my research, I learned that Zach Baggins bought it. And I already have mixed opinions about him because of that movie you made me watch. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of that movie is pretty compelling. We're talking about Demon House. But a lot of that movie is pretty compelling. But the end of the quote unquote, like, climax of the movie was so fake. I hated every so second of it. So fake. I was like, oh, the second that he someone comes into his room, the 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 camera goes camera out of focus. Wiggles. Like, who would have thought? Yeah. Uh, again, I have my issues with anyone who you know does ghost hunting for money. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's the wrong kind of Baggins. Uh-uh. <laughs> the fact that Zach Baggins is the one that has it, and then then afterwards, Manus is saying that it was a a hoax that he created. But then there's also him saying, oh, it was actually one of ten boxes that hollowed. Yeah, I have that pulled up right here. So um, his first post says, I'm the original creator of the story of the Divic box, which appeared as one of my eBay posts back in 2003. The idea that Divic boxes have some kind of history prior to my story and the idea that a Divic box could contain anything other than a Divic along with any deviation to the type of contents I created to be found inside of a Divic box is laughable at best. How about this? If you or anyone else can find any reference to a Dybbuk box anywhere in history prior to my eBay post, I'll pay you $100,000 and tattoo your name on my forehead. And then, shortly after that, he says, there were only 10 authentic and original Dybbuk yeah. boxes. Yeah. <clears throat> term and he, has, di- he gave two to Zach Baggins, right? Or whatever. Uh, yeah, the term Dybbuk box was never used or known prior to 2001. I was the original owner. You may contact me and ask any questions you might have. Answers about Divic boxes, my experience with them, or anything related from anyone else are probably a bunch of crap. And then later he says that, you know, there's no such thing as a Divic box and that he created the term. Then he says, because uh, this interviewer from Input said, like, so is the whole backstory of the Holocaust survivor fake? And he says, quote, no, no, I'm not saying that. Let's see, uh, end quote. But then he says that it did come from the Holocaust survivor, and they said that there's some kind of supernatural powers, and they used the term Dybbuk box from, two th- you know, yeah. like, where he just said he started, you know, that whole story. Well, but. and then, like, later, because the, uh, the the article that I had given you guys um, from Input was um, an author who really was trying to uncover the truth of this box. And so he really talks to Manus for a very long time, he um, gets a lot of like one-on-one conversations. He also spends time talking all over Facebook. And so the Facebook messages are all over the place. So it says, Manus messages me via Facebook to say he'd just gotten a call from Baggins. 
Not good, he writes. Not happy. You won't believe the S that's happening now around me. Seriously, like I'm getting bombarded with the curse. And so then he lists the events that have happened to him in the last week, including his car breaking down, his girlfriend leaving him, her mother dying, and two of his friends passing away. I'm not going to go into the rest of the stuff that has occurred over the last seven days, he adds, but it is striking, to say the least, and it keeps on coming. Despite all this, in a subsequent message, he refers to the original Dybbuk box story he wrote as fictional. So I wonder if, I know we, Peach and I have been talking about this, Jack, before, um, <clears throat> like two days ago when we had, when we had been reading over the research. Yeah. Like, could he be suffering from some kind of like psychotic break? Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. Because he's all over the place. It's true, it's not true. Yeah, my mom had that interview on Penner Witness and like, you know, that was an award winning, in my opinion, like an award winning presentation then because she had a stroke. She can't fake that she can't talk and like you can tell that she's learning how to reuse her, her mouth. To and he says this. she had no coaching or anything. Yes. So you tell me that she's telling those stories. Then you have everything else. And on top of that, and the reason why that's completely possible, nowadays, obviously, we talk more about mental illness. Mm -hmm. And there are times in the past where, you know, you would say someone was possessed instead of mentally ill. Yeah. But the two do seem to go together, especially when it comes to something like a divot. Because, okay, I, I have to be a little bit more specific here. When I say a divot clings to you, they don't cling to you. They cling to your soul. Yeah. So any damage to the soul affects the body and mind. So... He had that dimmick for a while, mm -hmm. and it was obviously bound to him pretty hard. Could it have affected his mind? Absolutely. Well, that's why I kind of feel like that's where we're at. Like, see, for, it's for me, crazy. it's more it's more petty than that. Oh, and I, oh, I, 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 too, I yeah. just think he's a piece of garbage, and he sees other people succeeding and making money off of this, and he, you know, he's just trying to discredit them. By making all these different stories and, you know, so casting all this doubt all over the place. Yeah. Well, and that's part of it, too. You know, this box gets sold um, to Zach Baggins. And so Jason Haxton makes a really good something that no one mentions how much he got paid for it, but it's a lot. And that's after Jason wrote his own book about the Dybbuk box, which also made money. So unlike Kevin Manis, who sold this thing on eBay for, I don't even know how much those college kids, probably not a lot. Everyone else is making some good money off of this. Mm-hmm. And so Zach Baggins, of course, puts it on TV, um, and it, it says, Last year, the now 44-year-old Baggins opened the box on an episode of Ghost Adventures Quarantine. He supposedly heard it say Kevin, referencing Manus, and Evil, then heard a child's voice. No surprise. Children are scary. Yes. Um, so then it says, The highlight of the episode, however, at least from the media standpoint, was security camera footage of Baggins and his friend, the musician Post Malone, touching the closed Dybbuk box prior to Baggins opening it. Um, but even though uh, Malone never touched the box, yeah. he was touching Baggins' uh, shoulder, I believe is how it worked. Um, but, you know, the bad juju went over to Post Malone as well. Um, so, you know, again, make money off the TV show. Then there's a movie, of course, too, that Sam Raimi directed. Ugh. But Ke <sighs> but Kevin Manis and Jason were both on there as, yeah. like, you know, helpers to make that movie. So he had to have made some and, money off of that because oh, that was yeah. in 2012. But judging by the trailer, like, a movie has zero relations yeah. to the actual event. So, and so PJ and I kind of aren't are in the opinion that he's just, you said petty, I like that yeah. word. Yeah. Petty definitely sounds correct. Like I said, that being, it, it is not impossible. I don't mean to be rude to your um, heritage, but um, he's angry because he didn't make enough money. Again, there's a reason why that stereotype <laughs> existed <laughs> earlier. <laughs> But I was going to say, it is possible since a divot clings to the soul. It did cling to him, and obviously, if the Zach... I'm going to put a huge if here because I'm not a fan of Zach Baggins at all. <laughs> if what Zach Baggins said is correct, that it said his name, it was still attached to him, mm -hmm. even though it was separated from him. And that is very divot. And, and then talking about it, on even on Facebook and those, yeah. these you know, emails, phone conversations with the um, writer of this, this article, he's having all these problems. And again... Are our minds just primed to notice those coincidences of, of bad luck? Or is something else at play? That's I guess that's the question for this. Yeah. I, I think as soon as you think something bad is happening, you're going to notice every little bad thing. Yeah. And that is absolutely human nature. That being said, there is centuries of lore about Dybbuk. And is it possible to bind a Dybbuk? Yes. It is not the correct way, and any rabbi will tell you what you want to do is remove it from the body of the possessed person. Again, possessed here in quotes. Attached person, yeah. I guess is a better term. And do, is to put that, the divic, that spirit, back into the cycle. Send mm -hmm. them into Gehenna, 
or to Kafahela again. My and I apologize because my <coughs> my Hebrew is terrible. Listen, <laughs> sounds better than what I would have said. Um, <laughs> the idea is you would want to send them back to the land of the dead, so that way this cycle can continue. Because a Dybbuk is basically stuck. They're stuck of their own devices, but they are stuck. So the idea is you want to get them unstuck. So sending them back to the land of the dead is ideal. Yeah. That usually requires like 10 people and a rabbi and they are constantly in prayer for days. It sounded like um, Havilah had more than a little bit of knowledge of uh, mysticism because what they were doing in the time she was coming from, that in the time she did this in the 20s was a huge boom in uh, spiritualism and mysticism. Oh yeah. Well, I love his story about that. Again, like when Manus like goes off the rails, yeah. um, he says like there's, you know, 10 boxes because... And I'll, I'll just read it from here from the input article that I found. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it says, On Ghost Adventures Quarantine, Manus told another part of his ongoing ghost story. He'd given Baggins a second, smaller Dybbuk box, and on the show said there were a total of 10 boxes that were hidden around the globe. Manus explained that Havla, along with a few other Jewish women, including someone named Sophie, summoned an evil spirit to help the, the Jews fight against the Nazis during the Holocaust, but they couldn't control it. That same spirit, Havala believed, caused some of the 20th century's greatest disasters, including the Korean War. Knowing what they had what they had done was wrong, Havala eventually captured the Dybbuk and separated it into 10 Dybbuk boxes. If those boxes are ever brought together, evil will be unleashed like the likes of which the world has never seen. Sounds like the Infinity Stones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Baggins now had two of them, while Manus had six. The last two, Manus claimed, were yet to be found. I'm like, I'm sorry, is this like... <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark? I, yeah, I was going to say, it sounds I, like he had, like, one, and he's just like, I need to make more money on this. I'm going to create a story about there being ten. Yeah, it's just insane. Like, yeah. and that's why, like, I want to believe that this is something otherworldly because it kind of showcased the idea of the supernatural. But, like, he is just... He just makes it so idiotic. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's that weird it's that weird thing when it comes to a lot of paranormal stories is if you remove one link of the chain is the chain inherently broken or is the chain actually made better by removing a weak link mm-hmm. when you take Manus's stories out well Manus out of it especially after he sold the box initially the story still seems to keep a normal flow mm-hmm. yeah. until you get to Zach Baggins and again, well, even things that happened to Zach were very comparative to what happened, happened to, to Joseph, Joseph or Losef, I guess is pr- pr- Chris, but they everyone called him Joseph. Yeah. Well, they all call him Losef or Joseph, yeah. I mean, and to, to Jason, like they, they all have yeah. very similar stories. Oh, yeah. So is he cashing in? Is he I angry? He is. is he having mental disease or some Possibly. kind of issue because of having been stuck with the Dybbuk all this time? We, I don't know. Like, I've never talked yeah. to this dude. But. Well, I guess the actual, again... When I, when I look at it from, you know, a Kabbalistic side of things and from the Jewish side of things, Dybbuk's are real. They're terrifying. They are <laughs> bad. Accidentally pulling a Dybbuk out when you're experimenting with spiritualism is a very real, real worry. Yeah. And anyone who knows a little bit of Kabbalah would try to come up with a solution that is more long term. And in this case, binding it into a sealable object makes sense. And... That or into thing. 10 boxes to help uh, fight the Nazis. <laughs> that one made zero sense because wasn't the initial thing like, I was going to say, initially they said they were doing the seance in like 20-something. No, it was in Spain. It was after, it was like, because, you know, seances were like all the rage back in like the 30s yeah. and 40s. Um, but, you know, Havala's real like home, like life story yeah. is really depressing. Like she yeah. lost her entire family uh, to the Nazis. And the only reason that she survived is because she escaped with a couple of Jewish friends to Spain. But it was in Spain where they, you know, again, seances were like in. So they did a seance and that's when all this happened. Yeah. So, I mean. Well, don't forget, he still claims that it's fictional, too. Yes. Even though there are ten boxes. (laughs) His story is uh, off wacky. What we should do is go find that granddaughter and talk to her about Havala. Yes. A Kabbal, a Kabbalistic solution would be to try to bind it, which is what a lot of those things seem like. Um, well, it's something that we've mentioned too on our um, 
cat, uh, Corona the Catskills PJ, the idea that like where that thing was found was where a lot of kids would go and like practice and dabble in yes. the dark arts. Mm-hmm. So it's off the beaten track in the Catskills. Um, so regardless of whether you know what you're doing or not, sometimes you can unleash something. You know, there's people who believe and don't believe in the Ouija board, but when kids are stupid, they do stupid stuff. And yeah. like, so they'll play with the Ouija board or they'll try to do a spell. Are you inviting something in then? So even That's, if this yeah. was fictional and Kevin mm-hmm. did make it just to make money off of eBay, um, it's a terrible way to do it. <laughs> just like, there are other ways to make money. But if, if that were the case, like, you still are putting things in this yeah. box. You're still putting a prayer on this box. And why didn't Joseph and all those guys, yeah, like, monetize off of hey, this? Yeah. You know? Well, Jason did monetize off it by making a novel about it. Yeah. And well, then he sold the box. The, quite a while. But <clears throat> Jason yeah. was the museum guy, though, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the middle... Yeah, group the, the, all the college all, kids. all the college kids oh joseph yeah joseph yeah like none of them like have said anything about this that yeah. we could find no everyone left him yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. alone oh, uh, i was gonna say because i mean looking at it from a kabbalistic standpoint um and if anyone listening to this knows more about kabbalah than me i absolutely encourage you to send us an email where i'm wrong at games board at gmail.com I or mean, just go to gamesoverboard.com and hit yeah. contact us. Yes. Yeah. Um, because I can say what some of these are for. Um, I don't think it matters that they were weak pennies dating to those years specifically. The fact that it was two pennies, that is long running. Don't put on the eyeballs when someone dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's very old. That's yeah. It's passage into the afterlife. Yeah, pay Karen. Mm-hmm. The two locks of hair, if I had to guess, was probably Havala's hair. And that's because as the summoner... It was technically intrinsically bound to her. So by using her hair, basically became like a lure. And Why an two locks of hair, not one? Uh, could Sophie's hair be in there? There's a person also, named Sophie. I was going to say, that could have been the other person that was there doing mm-hmm. the seance with her. Amanda says it's just two of his friends and they fessed up to it. <laughs> of course. Yep. A dry rust bud, that's We can check harder. that with DNA. Let's go. That's true. That'd be um, an easy check. Yeah. 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 Um, the two next ones, the candlestick. And the golden wine cup, those are used constantly throughout rituals. Cups and candlesticks are, especially oh, yeah. candles. And because also there was also um, sealed wax on it. And one of them said that mm-hmm. they, the candlestick could also be used to kill somebody in the, the kitchen in the, the conservatory. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> make a reference to clue there. Zach Baggins did it. <laughs> of course. I knew it. I knew it. Um, <laughs> Kevin says he did it, but he didn't. <laughs> a sculpture with the word shalom on it. Again, it's probably a lot like the golem in that it's designed to whatever is stuck in there is keeping it stuck in there. It's basically acting as a defender. All I cut says shalom. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, not goodbye. It, well, shalom is both. Home. I know, it's, it's I know. Premium. And like I said, the Shema is one of the most important prayers. Like, think about it. And if you have a like a Christian or a Catholic exorcism, they say they say the Lord's Prayer multiple times. Uh huh. Or you just say litany of Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, bless art thou, long women, and blah, 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 yes, blah. Yes, yeah. that'd be another, it, it's very similar. Is This is literally divine word. Mm-hmm. So again, from a Kabbalistic standpoint, this makes sense of you are trying to bind something that is not technically fully My question is, why can't I see the ghost in there? Because <laughs> uh, you're not looking for the dark spot. And you're not Kevin, since apparently it, it prefers uh, men over women. Yeah. She, what a letdown. But yeah, so like I said, from a Kabbalistic standpoint, it definitely sounds like someone who knew a little bit, at least enough to try to, to do something like this. Mm-hmm. It's very pretty looking. It is. It's like a grapes. really cool wine cabinet. And to then like put... And if it's a wine to- cabinet, I'm sorry... Who who doesn't have more than that in terms of wine? Because that's like I mean, that's it's like two bottles, maybe three. Yeah, um, that's not enough for a party. Normally, it wouldn't be your full. It'd be like a decanter of wine and a couple of cups. Listen, and that's not enough for a party. It's not really designed for a party. It's more for, <laughs> but yes, for a party. Anyway, so our overall question then we went over everything. The question is, do we think it's real or not, and why? I make fun of you if you say I'm in the middle. You got you got to choose a this side. This is a hard one. Like this, this is, is harder than Corona the Cask. It is to determine. So I'm going to start with you, PJ, because you said it's hard. Why? Uh, I believe it not because of Manus. Well, actually, kind of because of him, because he's so wishy washy and he won't stick with one story. That makes me think he's either a trying to discredit everyone else or b 
he doesn't like the way people think of him, you know, now that he's, like, claiming that, you know, like, I had a hundred books, and, you know, like, he's getting made fun of for it or something. So, I, I think... also, I mean, if it is a haunted box, and your immediate response, I'm gonna give it to my mother, he should, <laughs> he should be beat. <laughs> so, Worst Jewish son ever. ever. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I want, like, those are some big reasons right there that lead me to believing it and not believing him. Hmm. How about you, Jack? I think the way everything's set up to me says the box, the way it was designed and the Kabbalistic tradition that was used in binding whatever was in there absolutely makes perfect sense to me. It seems like it, what someone who knows a little bit would try to do if they were back up against a wall in some case, like something at Divic. Do I think, I think Manus' early story before he was trying to cash in on it is closer to what I think is actually happening mm-hmm. as opposed to what it became I, I start questioning the story after um, the guy who wrote the book. Yeah, after the, Paranormal Witness happened. After Paranormal Witness is when I start kind of losing a lot of faith in stuff, just because it then seems more commercialized and capitalized, like you actually have an inherent yeah. financial incentive to lie. Whereas up to that point, there's been no incentive to lie. That's why I think yeah. like, even if it's not an actual divic that these people are being targeted by... It must be something spiritual. Something spiritual is going on. And a lot of bad things are happening to people that would normally by themselves not be that interesting until they're kind of all piled up. And the fact that this is so close to a lot of terrible things is definitely makes me lean towards it. It could easily be a place where a Dybbuk was sealed. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting for me, like looking at this and thinking about it, because I really believe that it was a box. Like I I really, it was was a box. Yeah. It's definitely a box. I mean, yeah, we can see that. I win. Um, I really believed in it. Especially when I saw the episode of Paranormal Witness because of the life that PJ and I have lived in this house. I'm a little more open to this kind of stuff now. Um, However, for me, I would like a rabbi to chime in, you know? Yes. Jason mentions that a rabbi was called to help him put it, you know, and keep it safe and to kind of lock it back up. But if that were the case, wouldn't it be safe? And why would you then sell it to Jace, to um, Zach Baggins? Mm-hmm. It was, if it was all safe, why would you do that? And if it was a real rabbi, wouldn't they take it and put it somewhere safe? Because that's something that, like, a Catholic yeah. priest, I feel like that's what they, they would do, right? Yeah. They would take that away for you. So I'm skeptical now because I think about what happened in our house and what mm-hmm. would be done for protection. So I don't think it is real, but I think it, something was imbued upon it. I think once you start putting that like mass belief in something, it becomes real and it allows something to attach itself onto the box. So I think initially it wasn't real, but I think now it is. So it became less of a dibic and more of a tulpa. Yeah. Where, Do you know what or I, even just the idea of like, you believe in something so much that you start experiencing, experiencing things, even though they're yeah. not, yeah, yeah, it's not real, you know? Well, actually, Placebo the, effect kind of things. The, the power, actually, it's called the power of luck on the positive side. If you just believe you're good at something, even though you suck at it, you're better at it because mm-hmm. you remove that part of your brain that makes you question, can I do this? So the, it's called the power of luck. You can also go the negative way, the, like, I'm a, the power of unluck. I'm not sure what you would call it, but it's that same kind yeah, of yeah. mentality. Well, it's, it's why, like, you know, stupid people are, significantly more confident than yes. <laughs> intelligent people and things like that. It's same kind of idea there. Yeah. Um, so, I, and as, as Laura said, you can imbue a power, like an energy into something, you yeah. know? Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like maybe it was fake. Although now that I'm thinking about it, you know, if it... <sighs> if his plan was to make money off of this, that was the original goal of this. <laughs> yeah. Then why did he sell it on eBay? And why didn't he make more of these Divic boxes? Yeah. Like if you're selling a haunted item, and then why you, did he try to discredit it later? Yeah. You get you get your butt on Etsy and you make a whole bunch of them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like so, none of so this makes sense. Maybe it, yeah. not that now I'm like no, maybe it is real because he wanted to get rid of it. Like I said, I, this I is still want I want the a, rabbi to come. Where there's a chain here, and there's a couple of links that are weird. Like I said, yeah. when you remove Manus from it, the chain is really solid. Yeah, mm-hmm. or if you follow, like you said, if you follow the chain up to a certain point, mm-hmm. then it gets twisted. Yeah. And that's and everything after that just doesn't make sense, yeah. because that's the moment when people started to get famous from it mm-hmm. and started to make money from it. Yeah, because like I said after Paranormal Witness, before Paranormal Witness, it was just like a, a curio online. It was just something that was being sold on eBay, really. Yeah. yeah. And there's some people online talking about this idea. Mm-hmm. And after Paranormal Witness became really famous, and that's where, it almost like after that point, it became famous enough that everyone's like, 
oh, well, we can start making money on this. Yep. Yeah. And I think... Because no one wrote a book on it until after that show. No one made a movie on it until after that show. I think greed is overshadowing what could have been a very... What what is a much more complete story. Greed is starting to corrupt it. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Because like I said, the actual... uh, The the Dybbuk itself is ancient. So if I'm black... What's a a Keselum? Do you know what a Keselum is? um, If I'm pronouncing that correctly. Because a Dybbuk and a Keselum... Selling. Yeah, because like that's never mentioned again. Really, is that when he initially buys it in his in, in his eBay article, he mentions that he a, talks about it in the Paranormal Witness episode too. Um, yeah, a I, and a it's been years since I've seen that episode, but it's something along the lines of like boogeyman and the Jewish folk. Well, at least that's how he talks about but it. If there are like two things in there, when when the girl asked her, oh yeah, there are two inside, things in there: a dibbuk and a keselum. Would spit yeah. three times through her fingers and say a dibbuk and a keselum. So I just thought that was like, and then you never hear about that ever again. You just hear about the hag. Yeah, that is not a... You type in Kesselman, it just goes back to Dybbuk. Yeah, so <laughs> so it's a Dybbuk. <laughs> um, <laughs> the end? <laughs> yeah, that's... I'm not sure, honestly. Yeah. I think it's another, another kind of like... word for it? I think Kesselman is probably far more closer to the boogeyman, whereas the Dybbuk is something that's much more steeped in history. Oh, well... That was just one random thought I had there. Yeah. So we have, um, so overall we think it is, it's real-ish. Yes. Just like you're Jew-ish. Since yes. you like your bacon. Huh. Oh, I, I probably should mention that, you know, I'm Catholic and you're Jewish, um, but, you know, I celebrate all the holy days um, because our family history was Jewish, you know. Our family had to change to Catholicism for safety. But we're talking about World War II, so I understand Havala. Uh, we lost almost all of our family to um, concentration camps, actually. Whoever didn't move to America died in the camps, except and, for our great-great-uncle. And even on our mother's side, those that were back in Germany... That was the Jewish line of the family. That just gone. disappears. Yep, it's gone. So you identify one way, I identify a different way, but that's okay. We still have, I have, do you see I have my my uh, Hanukkah set out ready for you? Yes. Yes. And whereas mine is more like, <clears throat> I associate more with the Jewish side of stuff, even though I'm a terrible practicing Jew. Yeah, you I like to eat those scallops with the bacon wrapped around it. I also don't go to synagogue like I should. That's okay. Do we have a synagogue in the area? Not particularly close, but there is one. But more like, to me, it's just like, it, it's the beliefs that makes more sense to me. I got you. So, I, and also I still follow more out of tradition and out of, um, what's what I'm looking for, like... Heritage? Heritage, and also in memory of, because like I said, both both lines of our family lost a lot yeah. of people, so it's... Well, our great uncle's wristband, or armband is on display in the uh-huh. Holocaust Museum, so... All right. Well, that was sad. Let's talk about happy. Yes. Um, so it's a we agree ish that it's real ish. Yes. yes. Um, so thank you for being on and as a guest, my brother. Thank you. From the same mother and father. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> we are actually blood siblings. We are actually correct siblings. What is happening right now? No, remember I I've a long time ago decided that I'm actually have been traded by accident i'm not actually related to you you've heard my story about how i'm a kennedy countless times i'm a kennedy yes your nose says otherwise that's hurtful um but it's true my nose is my nose anyway (laughs) you're not as bad as (laughs) although if you look at a picture of of eli there is no question that that is mine (laughs) he looks just like me i'm so your daughter acts just like you i know she looks like you too she does but she has your coloring yeah but eli He's all mine. <laughs> that is, I don't know where your jeans are in that, but they're not there. <laughs> they were there when he was a baby. He looks like me. No, that was not it. anymore. Yeah, you get Eli <laughs> or Alex. I mean, so we need to get some ideas for our next wellhouse. I have exercise. an idea. What is your idea? Amityville. No, no. If we're doing famous no. ones, and if we want to really hate on one, because oh. a there's some really good, creepy stuff. That's real that happened there. And, and then there's a crap ton of really bad, bad. creepy stuff. It's still creepy, but it's bad. <laughs> and the Warrens are there, so we can bring in the Warrens and talk about them. <sighs> Listen. Or we I just wanna... do an episode on the Warrens, which is also a whole <laughs> mess right there. That is a Ruining Catholicism, one person at a time, yeah. Um, I just want this to be like haunted places and objects close to home so like we do something appalachian maybe like that kind of thing like something something closer something does it have to just be haunted what are you thinking 
I was gonna say if we're gonna do Appalachian, we could do a deep dive into the uh, Mothman. Get out of here! <laughs> I've been trying to get a cryptid episode for a while. No. <laughs> uh, I will do my own research, not on a microfiche, and I will come up with a great idea. I'm just saying, when there are reports of the same flying creature three states away in one weekend, word doesn't travel that fast back when they're when we were in the colonies. In the colonies. Some, something was seen. No. <laughs> Joseph we're, Bonaparte saw it and, and wrote about it in his diary. We're not doing the Jersey Devil either, okay? <laughs> it's not happening. It's not happening. I will think of something. And if I can't land on something... No, if I can't land something good, I will consider us the Warrens or Amityville for like a week when I'm just tired and I'm just going to sit here and I'll let you guest host. But this is mine. Okay. As you glare at us. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of local war. Oh, I know. There's the Eastern T- State Penitentiary. There's Penhurst. Is it Penitentiary? Penitentiary. Okay, Penitentiary. Penitentiary. Okay. Uh, there's Penhurst. There's Katie's Penhurst Church. Penhurst is a good one to do. Katie's Church is all fake, but we can totally do that. It is totally all fake, that. but we can still talk about it, yeah. Because yeah. I had some fun experiences there. Me too, with my uh, friend, yeah. And also, uh, I learned something fascinating about, I was going to say, if we're cutting this, because this is where... We could also do a discussion about Silent Hill. Oh, yeah. Uh, East Centralia. <laughs> Someone actually referenced that. Oh, she was on um, the oh, hit my podcast. What thing. are you doing? I'm sorry, I got excited. <laughs> on last podcast on the left, they mentioned it in one of the things I was listening to. They said, "Isn't there? Isn't uh, Silent Hill like literally like in Pennsylvania somewhere?" Oh yeah, yeah. There's Silent it's Hill. worldwide. Scientists come yeah. from all over the world. I know. So we could discuss that. I was going to say Centralia, <laughs> the story of how humans are stupid. Uh huh. And now everyone's afraid of it because humans are stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but really, there's not. A lot to it's talk really about there. It's not really scary. When you, when you actually divorce the whole someone turning into Silent Hill, it's just a, a colossal story of people who had this really, What? Oopsies. Yeah, I yeah. was going to say, public planning gone horribly awry and stupid people making yeah. stupider decisions. You have to, like, oopsies. really travel to see the smoke coming out of the ground now, too. We were just there over the summer. And mm-hmm. uh, it's also nothing. really hard to see in the summer anyway. And it's actually burned so yeah. far down the coal seam that it's... Uh, yeah. You have to travel really far west. Like, we we went pretty far out and didn't get to it. And we saw another person hiking around. They're like, yeah, it's way out there. It's because it's farther up the coal seam. Though. Yeah, it's just traveled. Anyways. The problem is, is we're not sure if it's going to get to the other coal seam. Are we going to talk about fish attacks? No, there's no. Good Lord. All right, so I will figure it out. For now, though, thank you for joining us. This has been lovely. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. Please join us. Uh, come to our website, gamesoverboard.com. Email us at gamesoboard at gmail.com. Listen to our other podcast, Danger and Dice, a live play D&D uh, podcast where we just get into all kinds of mischief. And Games Overboard, where we review board games and talk about the stories they tell. You can also hop on Facebook and like us and share our Facebook page, Games Overboard. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No. Get shalom. 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 Don't you say those bad words on here. I can speak enough. It's not a swear word. It's not a nice word. <laughs>